You are listening to Secrets to Scale. I'm your host, Tanner Scott, CEO of Rangsta Digital Marketing, and this podcast is all centered around hearing successful stories from successful people and uncovering their secrets to scaling their businesses. This week on the show, I have Todd Astill, founder and president of Nerve Park City out of Park City, Utah. Todd and I talk all about building a business based on only referrals and how great customer service can make that a reality. Welcome to the show, Todd. I'm super excited to have you. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, Tanner. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Todd Estel. Um, I'm the founder and president of Nerve Park City. Um, and yeah, I'm glad to be talking with you today. Awesome, man. So how did your career get started? Can you kind of walk us through the timeline of everything? Yeah, so it's uh, it's an interesting story. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, I actually started my first business um, back in 96, I was in the mortgage business and originating mortgages and had seen an opportunity to you know, kind of do my own thing and started a mortgage brokerage, which was a good business. Um, you know, didn't require a lot of capital to get started and the market was really good at the time. Um, so did mortgages for some time, but it wasn't anything I was passionate about. Um, I had always been passionate about uh, photography and video production. Uh, and I'll try to give you the short version here, but <laughs> we started in 98, I guess it was late 97, um, a photography and video production studio. Uh, so my wife actually worked with me and I did the photography and editing and um, she did video production um, from the shooting through the editing process. And uh, it was a great business, but it uh, required us to be away oftentimes in the evenings and on weekends. And uh, we started a family and uh, with young kids, it wasn't, uh, wasn't ideal to be away during the holidays or the times where most of the events um, that we were you know, covering would, would take place. So I was also always very interested in uh, audiovisual, particularly I, lo- I love listening to music. I love the technology behind it. Um, it was becoming a pretty expensive hobby for me. So, um, my wife pointed out, uh, one day she says, you know, you seem to be pretty passionate about this stuff. And, uh, you know, if you're going to keep spending money on it, maybe you should consider spending other people's money on it and, uh, you know, get into doing that for a living and maybe it's a little more flexible. So in, uh, 2001, uh, we started that business um, in conjunction with, I had exited, I was exiting the, the mortgage business, and, but we're still, you know, um, running the, the studio. Um, so we actually ran the studio concurrent with the, the startup of this business for about two and a half, almost three years, and eventually phased that out when this business, uh, you know, took off pretty quickly. And uh, yeah, just been loving working with uh, the technology, working with our clients, um, you know, a lot of different uh, experiences and adventures along the way, but uh, it's been a journey to get here. 
Yeah. I mean, I can imagine everyone has their own journey and issues that they face along the way. And, you know, speaking of that, what were some obstacles that you faced while not only transitioning from one business to another, but just growing that into something that could really sustain uh, whatever income you were getting previously? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, as I mentioned, the uh, mortgage business is kind of a low barrier to entry, right? There's not a lot of capital investment required. The, the photography studio was the opposite. A whole lot of capital was required. Um, we started out with film <clears throat> and um, on the photography side, and, and that was pretty you know, costly as far as the materials for that, plus the equipment is, is extremely expensive. And then shortly after starting the studio, um, digital photography became a viable solution in the professional realm. And we, we took on, or we started uh, the digital division of our studio. Um, we're the first in, in the Salt Lake Valley to be shooting fully digital events and editing and producing, you know, the output, the prints and, and whatnot. Um, so it was a massive learning curve. And it took me from an artistic mindset to a technology mindset very rapidly because you had to be able to um, you know, actually envision the shoot and, and get, the, get the shots. But then there was a whole lot of work in post-production that used to be done by um, a lab, right? You could send your prints off or send your negatives or your um, slide <coughs> off to a lab tell them what you wanted. They could do all kinds of dodging and burning and editing and cropping and so forth. And, you know, what shows up for your client is a beautiful print and somebody else did the work on. We took all that in-house um, and that transition from analog to digital in, uh, you know, in the photography world, that's kind of what kickstarted my interest in, uh, or I guess it just ramped up my interest in technology. So that was the biggest hurdle was the time and the money investment on that side of the business. And then when we got into um, the AV uh, business, you know, finding clients was, I had no idea where to start. You know, we always had word of mouth referrals for the studio. Um, I didn't have a lot of, you know, connections per se with, with people that would have the, uh, the means to buy these more expensive, uh, what we call big boy toys, you know, electronics and, and, automation systems, you know, uh, distributed audio, home theater in particular at the time, we're talking about, you know, 2001, uh, was not a cheap proposition. Um, so we, uh, you know, I basically started pounding the pavement and that was a big challenge. Um, I met someone that uh, was kind of running a, essentially a design center um, with a lot of different trades in it. So they would have, you know, cabinet shops and tile people and appliance suppliers all under one roof. And there was a small uh, home theater presentation area that had been built by another contractor who had basically just left it. They didn't want to continue making the payments on the space. So we took it over and it wasn't an ideal space, but, uh, um, you know, we made the investment to, to update it, to, to make it presentable. And then I manned that booth for months with, with absolutely no, <laughs> no return on investment, right? Uh, until finally one day a gentleman walked in. He was um, just purchased a house with an unfinished basement and, um, you know, was interested in a home theater. And given the presentation we made, he was impressed enough to say, okay, let's have you take a look at our house. And that was our first client. And from there, 
fortunately, he was a well-connected and well-healed man um, with whom we stu- still do business to, uh, to this day. Uh, and he was kind enough to share his connections after we'd done a good job for him and, uh, you know, give us kind of a, a foothold into that market. And we just, you know, expanded and built from there. Yeah. You know, uh, even for myself, you know, finding the first customer, or the first group of clients is probably the hardest part. And I think, you know, that's just how it is. It's just the nature of, you know, big, large project based businesses. Right. Um, but, but do you still rely on referrals to this day or how do you handle marketing and sales? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, to this day, the majority of our business comes from referrals, um, for, you know, work that we're doing for past clients. Um, but then referrals from past clients, uh, to do customers. And, um, we often do, you know, every two, three years, we do uh, a showcase home in park city or a parade home in Salt Lake or outlying areas and, uh, you know, meet some new clients and expand our business from there. But, uh, yeah, we, we haven't really needed to, haven't had the desire to market our, our target audience is very, um, specific, very limited. Right. I mean, first of all, you have to have people that are, have the means to, to purchase these kind of more luxury items. And then second, they have to have an interest in, uh, and have a desire to spend, you know, that kind of money. So we, uh, yeah, we're fortunate enough to have a steady stream of business, um, you know, from, from that early stage on. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty incredible that you literally just got really lucky on your first customer and that just exploded from there. I think mm. <laughs> you're, you're incredibly fortunate for that. That's for sure. Uh, so Todd, what would you attribute your success to? Uh, so yeah, that, that's, uh, first, you know, um, chance meeting. And I don't know if I'd call it a chance meeting, but, uh, we're very fortunate to, you know, to meet a client like that. But I, I understood from, um, you know, my days in the mortgage business and the, and the studio that referrals were one, the most inexpensive way, you know, to, to find new clients and two would, uh, massively increase or, you know, significantly increase your close rate. Um, so from the beginning of the business, we focused on customer service and, and put a lot of time and energy into making sure that the clients were happy with the services that we provided. So they would be inclined, uh, to recommend us. And sometimes that meant, you know, I was at the client's home on a Friday night, Saturday night, when they have family friends over, they have an issue, whether it was our issue or it was just an issue with, you know, unrelated equipment or, you know, things that are out of our control. I always answer the phone. I always uh, do what I can to solve the problem. And if I can't solve the problem immediately, I always let them know what the plan is and follow through with it. It's very simple. Because of that, we built a very loyal client base. So yeah, the initial meeting was key, but what what we did with that relationship was ultimately what determined, you know, the uh, trajectory of the business. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, I think a lot of businesses really overlook the power of just excellent customer service because you know if you just blow away a customer and they're just incredibly happy with the work that you've done and not only the work you've done but you know how you treat them and how you respond to them they become a walking billboard for you you know they're gonna you're just gonna grow like wildfire because they're gonna tell every single person that comes to their house and sees their theater room and boom you got referral after referral coming in right 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of businesses play, you know, pay lip service to that mentality and talk a lot about how their customer service is superior. But, um, you know, the rubber meets the road when you get the phone call at 930 at night on a Friday and your family is over or you have friends uh, or you're out to dinner or whatever. And I can share with you, you know, numerous stories to that end. And just responsiveness is key. I mean, oftentimes a client wouldn't want to interrupt what I was doing. They just appreciated that I answered the phone and I had a plan where we could solve the issue for them. Um, and, you know, like I said, that, uh, that mutual respect is what we build. And for me, one of the best parts of the business is the people that I have uh, the privilege of associating with. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes all you really need to do is, you know, just respond to them like, Hey, I can't do anything about it right now, but let's plan on talking on Monday. Um, mm -hmm. Small stuff like that really goes a long way. So Todd, who is your first hire outside of any partners that you brought on? Uh, so I, I was new to that business and, you know, I had had quite a number of employees in the mortgage business, but in the studio, one, it was artistic, right? Two, it was very, very customer driven, customer uh, service driven. Um, you know, we were dealing with families. We were often dealing, we were doing a lot of weddings um, and events and, you're dealing with very emotional uh, people, I guess you could say. So, you know, their relationship was, was important. So I didn't really build a large team in, in the studio. I hadn't hired a lot of people and trained them. We hired a gentleman to do video production uh, to take some of the <clears throat> uh, burden off of my wife, you know, with young kids. And I found it challenging to, to, to manage him, you know, to, to kind of meet the expectations of the client and for him to understand what we, you know, what our philosophy was and what we expected to deliver as a business. So I was kind of reticent to hire people in the new business. I started doing most of it myself with just laborers doing some of the, you know, some of the menial tasks. Um, but the first hire that I made was, was a, uh, a younger guy, you know, he was probably um, just a couple of years older than me and had been in the business doing things um, probably knew more about it than I did. You know, and I, I appreciated that fact. And I knew that I knew I was out of my depth sometimes. Right. I mean, I knew how to put together a good system, but there was a lot of I didn't know what I didn't know about certain things. Right. So we worked well together, um, but I found out shortly, um, you know, after hiring him and into the relationship that he had, he had challenges with being consistent, you know, like showing up on time, things like that. Um, and he had a real. <clears throat> Uh, difficult personal life you know he's divorced and had child support he's supposed to pay and I mean really he was it's kind of a mess um, at work he was extremely capable I mean the man, he, he could walk into a job and see what was going on with it and just you know knock out of the park the actual work that needed to be done but uh, you know uh, as as a time management person or I guess you could say a, from client relations he was a little rough around the edges so I, I knew he had potential and we worked well together for quite some time. Um, but I realized that he was not the kind of person I could build a business on because I had to make up for those shortcomings. Right. Yeah. So I kind of put him into a role that would make sense where I was always uh, interfacing with the clients and he wasn't. And uh, you know, I was managing um, you know, everything in the project so that uh, you know, went smoothly. Um, 
So I, I realized at that point I needed someone dependable, reliable, and probably someone, even if they were less experienced in the industry that was, um, you know, just understood our, our philosophy as a business, which was the utmost respect for our clients, their home, their time. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the kind of privilege we have to, to work with them. And, you know, from there we, we've searched and looked for those types of people and been lucky enough to find some. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, a lot of people say you should always surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And I think that really sets you up for success. Uh, so, so how do you keep your employees around? How do you keep them happy? Uh, that's a good question. It, it's funny. A lot of the people that uh, are interested in this industry and get into it are <clears throat> less interested in the money and more interested in uh, more passionate about the technology, right? They just love doing cool projects. They like working with cool people. Um, they like feeling like they have done something impressive and they, they've, and also they've expanded their skills. So we try to give them opportunities to, um, grow within the business. Uh, my next hire was a, was a kid and literally a kid that was working at a TV repair shop and had no, in, no experience in uh, home audio. Um, you know, it was handy enough and definitely had an interest in it. And it took very little um, support for me and, and encouragement for me um, for him to start learning on his own. In fact, I gave him some leftover equipment that we pulled out of another client's house and said, you know, take this home, you can play with it. Here's some tips. Here's some, here's the software you need to set it up. And, you know, within a week, this kid had figured out how to base, do basic programming for an automation system, how to control his lights at home, how to, you know, uh, control whatever satellite box he had with the remote and things like that. And he's just like wide eyed and, you know, super excited to be a part of the business. And from there, you know, he's taught himself so much. Um, I shared with him, taught him what I knew, and then he's gone well beyond that. And when there's opportunity for him uh, to expand his knowledge through, you know, formal training or even informal training and experiences, we, we always make sure that that's a priority. Awesome, man. So what, what's one piece of advice that you could give any aspiring entrepreneurs listening to this? Um, you know, I think every business is different in its operations, right? And, uh, even in the, I guess you could, you could say the goals, um, some businesses, they like to focus on numbers, you know, whether it's number of employees or it's your, your top line revenue or whatever. Um, I found in my business, because what we do is so custom and so personalized to our clientele that I focus more on the experience, both for my, our clientele, for my crew, my team, and for me, um, and let the numbers fall where they fall. Um, but uh, the key to me is that you value what you do and, and by being, um, you know, really kind of the best at what you do, your clients will value it as well. And we found that because of that, the top line numbers aren't always amazing. They're not the best in our industry, but I, I can say that our bottom line numbers are the actual, um, you know, profitability of the company has always been very steady um, because we don't chase, you know, kind of unnecessary, uh, you know, business. We don't chase business that uh, might not make sense for our business is not our core competency. Um, you know, we, we've been privileged enough to work with some people to value what we do 
and they're willing to pay, you know, maybe even a premium over what uh, some of the other companies in our industry are offering because our service and our finished product is, is superior. Right. So that, that's what I would caution entrepreneurs. And that, you know, it depends on your business. Some, some businesses have very um, slim margins and you have to do a lot of volume, but I would, I would, uh, you know, uh, encourage any entrepreneur to one, do what you're passionate about two do it in a way that you can be proud of. And, and then, you know, let those numbers fall where they may. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. I think that too many entrepreneurs just focus on, like you said, top line revenue, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, we should be chasing profit, but the most important thing is that we're happy in our business and that our customers are happy. Right. Absolutely. So Todd, what would you say your secrets to scale are? Uh, again, it's the same answer to some extent. We don't try to scale, um, <clears throat> like I said, to a certain organization size or, or top line revenue. We, we scale in a, in a way that uh, allows us to continue the same quality of service and to deliver the same experience for our clients. <clears throat> and that's the secret to that is hiring people that are as passionate and committed to what you're doing as you are. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome advice. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, Todd. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you think might benefit the audience? Uh, yeah, I would say um, enjoy the ride, right? Uh, really, if, you, if you're in a business that uh, you started because you, uh, you, know, you want to be in it, just uh, every once in a while, Stop, look around at the people you're working with, your team, um, with your clientele, and uh, you know, recognize how fortunate you are to be in that position, to be independent, to be able to create something um, you know, that you can be proud of and uh, kind of enjoy that uh, success. There's no, uh, you know, if you're always looking for the next and the next and more and more to feel successful, uh, I, would, I would absolutely recommend that you consider how successful you are just having a, a business that, uh, you know, uh, allows you and your team to do what you enjoy doing and bring some, uh, you know, some happiness and enjoyment to other people. Yeah, I, I really love that. I like, I like saying embrace the struggle because, you know, when you're living in the present, you're going to be a lot happier than if you're living in the future, right? Like, oh, I just got to hit this revenue mark and I'll be happy and I'll be where I want to be. But in reality, it doesn't really happen. You're always going to be chasing something. So I agree with you. It's important to just, like you said, look around, be proud of yourself for where you're at. Because if you look back a year ago from now, you're probably, you've probably grown so much that it's not even funny. Absolutely. So Todd, thanks again for joining me. What's a good way for anyone listening to get in contact with you? Uh, they can check out our website at nerve.tv, N-E-R-V-E dot TV, um, or feel free to call me at uh, 801-916 or 913-6404. Um, text is great as well. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, man. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you for listening to this episode of Secrets to Scale. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more episodes like it, go ahead and click on that subscribe button. Music for this podcast was written and produced by Trace and Classy. 